0: This is the Build Wealth Canada show, episode number 68.
1: Welcome to the Build Wealth Canada podcast, where it's all about becoming debt free, accelerating your wealth and taking control of your money. Now Here's your host, Cornell
0: Schreiber. Hello and welcome to the Build Wealth Canada show. Today, we're going to tackle the subject of credit scores and how to maximize them and optimize them since your credit score is a very important thing to manage as it lets you get... The lowest possible rates on your mortgage, your car loans, your lines of credit, or any other debt that you may wish to take on, whether it's now or in the future. Now, in Canada, the best loans with the best terms are reserved for people with high credit scores. So even if you don't really need any sort of loan now, like a mortgage, car loan, or line of credit, it is something that I think you should keep an eye on and strive to improve As you don't want to be overcharged on interest payments if you ever do actually need some financing on something. So even though we personally no longer have a mortgage or any debt, I actually still use a free tool to monitor my own credit score just to ensure that the best loans are available to me in case I ever need them. Like maybe there's some unforeseen emergency or something like that, and also to help protect myself against identity fraud. For example, if somebody maybe got a hold of my credentials and tried taking out credit cards or loans in my name and then you know racking them up. Kind of thing. So, you know, this way, if I monitor my credit score, I can quickly catch that and report it instead of letting that individual gradually destroy my credit score over time. So, one of the things I really like doing on this show is sharing the different apps and tools that I personally use. And the free tool that I use for my credit score and monitoring it is from a company called BorrowWell. And so today on the show, I brought on the CEO of BorrowWell, Andrew Graham, so that I can ask him some questions after using his tool for almost a year. And we cover things like how to increase your credit score, the key things that can cause our credit score to decline how to read the credit report so you can see if there are any issues. And this is whether you get a you know report from them or one of the other providers, how to fix issues on our credit report that are negatively impacting our credit score and much, much more. Now, just for full disclosure, whenever there is a tool that I personally use and recommend, I like to also check if by any chance they have one of those refer a friend or affiliate programs, since I figure if I'm going to be recommending them anyway, might as well do it with a special link to help support the show. So if you are going to use them to check your credit score for free, please go through the link, which is buildwealthcanada.ca slash score as that helps support the show. Once again, that's buildwealthcanada.ca dot ca score and that link will automatically take you to the page where you can get access to the tool for free to see your credit score and view your up-to-date score at any time to ensure that it's actually increasing as opposed to decreasing due to threats like identity theft bankers etc so thank you for your support if you choose to do that and now let's get right into the interview
1: all right andrew welcome to the show It's great to be on the show thanks for having me
0: No problem, Andrew. So just to kick things off, your company offers free credit scores and reports from Canada's largest credit bureau, which is Equifax. Now, for anybody completely new to all of this, can you say who Equifax is and why we should actually care?
1: Sure. So Canada's got two credit bureaus. And what a credit bureau does is they're like a central repository for information on how every and every consumer in Canada uses credit. So every time you make a payment on your credit card or on your mortgage or if you perhaps miss a payment on on a loan, all that information gets sent to Equifax and and, and the other credit bureau called TransUnion. And then when you apply for credit, like if you apply for a new credit card or you apply for a mortgage, the lender will then check with the the credit bureaus to really get a sense of how you've paid bills in the past. So, you know, Establishing a good credit history, all of that goes into what's called a credit score, which is like a a three-digit number that is a shorthand for how well you've paid bills and how well you've handled credit in the past.
0: Now, is there any value in since there's two credit bureaus? Is there any value in, let's say, you guys work with Equifax, uh, the largest one? So, let's say we get the report. Equifax's info from you guys. Is there any value in then also getting it from TransUnion just to make sure there's no discrepancies or is that pretty redundant?
1: Well, I mean, the good news is that, you know, the the information at, at both bureaus uh, typically is the same and, sh- and should be the same. Um, uh, and what is positive for your credit with one credit bureau is also positive with, with the other. In other words, you know, paying bills on time not running up your, you know, your credit cards and other kinds of credit to the maximum limit. All of that is going to help you with both. So, you know, typically a great place to start is by, you know, monitoring your credit with one bureau. Some people choose to do both, but but we certainly suggest that monitoring with one is is a is a really great uh, starting point at least.
0: Okay, that sounds good. And then to further help answer the question of why we should care about our credit score. From your experience, how big of a difference have you seen in the interest rate offered to Canadians who have a low versus a high credit score?
1: So it really can vary by by product. Um, and in some cases, you know, if your credit score is is too low, you might not even qualify for uh, a certain kind of credit product. So there's now stress tests that banks use or or qualification tests that banks use. And other lenders use when they're trying to assess who qualifies for a mortgage, for example. So if you have a score below a certain threshold, you just may not qualify. Um, Typically, as your score gets higher, you get access to more and more um, companies, more and more lenders are willing to sort of lend you money, and often, uh, you know, you'll get much better rates. So it it really is hard to say, um, there's so many things that go into it, the kind of loan the size of the loan, et cetera. But for sure, you will have much, much better access, much better rates if you have a higher credit score. Um, and, and that could easily translate into hundreds of dollars a month in interest uh, interest savings.
0: Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that was kind of my follow-up question was, let's say, just to provide some some dollars to it, if someone is looking at something like a mortgage, how much more could they be paying per month if your credit score is low versus high, and obviously it depends on how big the mortgage is and all of that, but just to kind of give some context, I mean, are we talking hundreds of dollars potentially in savings as for someone with a good credit score versus a low credit score?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, you can get fixed rate mortgages from the banks now from Canada's mainstream banks for for you know at three percent or even less, um, and versus if you know if you get a private mortgage, uh, you know that can sometimes cost more than ten percent. So you know, you could be paying triple an interest wow. uh, based on your ability to, to, you know, who you can borrow from and, and your credit score uh, and your credit history is a huge part of that.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So if your credit score is low enough, you might not even qualify for these mortgages from these primary sort of tier one lenders, let's say. And so you've got to resort to these other lenders who, like you said, can actually charge. It can even be, you know, let, let's say triple the amount in some cases.
1: I think what the reality is, is it's not that you're going to walk into your bank and say that you have a high credit score and they're going to give you a discount. Look, that can happen. But what's more likely to happen is if you walk into your bank and you've got a low credit score, you just may not qualify for any mortgage offering they have, for example. They they may say, look, we just can't help you because you don't qualify according to our criteria. And that just means you have a much narrower set of lenders who are going to be willing to consider you for a mortgage. And that's where the higher cost comes in.
0: Okay. That makes sense. And then many of us have heard about how if our credit score gets checked too much by companies, it can actually lower our credit score. And so this leads us to that subject of hard versus soft inquiries, which I know you know a lot about. Can you talk about what those are for anybody not familiar?
1: Sure. So uh, it's true that if you apply for a lot of credit, that can harm your credit score. So if you're out there applying for multiple credit cards or multiple loans, that absolutely can lower your score because that, that can be a sign that you are uh, you know either desperate or very very keen to access credit. The good news is, you know, if you check your score for your own education, like like with Borowell, for example, that's what's called a soft inquiry, and that does not negatively affect, affect your score. So um, if you're applying for credit, that's a hard inquiry. It can affect your score. Typically, it does. Uh, versus a soft inquiry that's for educational purposes, um, or sometimes banks who, who already have you as a customer will do a soft inquiry every few months, for example, just to check where your credit is. Those kinds of soft inquiries will not affect your score. Mm-hmm.
0: So just practically speaking, let's say that you know I'm looking for some kind of line of credit and I want to shop around to get the best rate. How can I ensure that I don't get too many of these hard inquiries? What would the recommended process be?
1: Yeah, I mean, the good news is for certain kinds of loans like mortgages, there's enough sophistication in the credit system that if you are, for example, working with a mortgage broker or you really are comparing rates across different mortgage providers in a fixed period of time, like in 30 or 60 days, I'm not, it, it'll vary. Um, those kinds of multiple inquiries actually won't affect your score. The credit bureaus understand that you're just price shopping. You're not looking to get seven mortgages. Um, and so it, it, there is some complexity there. I, I would say, you know, one of the services that we offer is we give people, we show people indicative rates for loans, for credit cards and for other kinds of credit products on our site before uh, or without having to apply for those individual types of credit. So using a comparison service like Borwell, and there are, there are others out there, but obviously I'm a big fan of ours, um, is a great way to sort of get a sense of what your rate can be uh, without having to actually do all those different applications and risk a ding on your credit score.
0: Okay, that makes sense. So just to make sure I understand, the the process you'd recommend is, let's say you're looking for... A home equity line of credit or something of that nature. First, research what the rates are from all these different providers, but don't actually provide all your information so that they can do all these credit checks on you. Just find out what the you know what they're essentially offering, and then once you okay fine, okay this is the one I want. This is has this one has the best rate or the best terms or a combination of the two. Then you can say okay I'm I'm now well, want to commit to this one, and then you can submit that information and actually apply to them. And then that yeah then they're gonna do a a credit check, but now you're just getting basically one provider doing a credit check as opposed to just you know five of them, let's say, because you you were actually going through the application process with each one. Would that be kind of a, a safe process to do?
1: Yeah, I think. Look, if you want to research it yourself, you can. I think one of the advantages of using a service like Borowell is that we do some of that for you. So because we know what your credit score is because you're using our service, we're able to say, here are some lenders that we think are very likely to be interested in, in having you as a customer. And here's what indicative rates are with them. So you don't even have to go, like we can kind of do that research for you. So I, that, that's one of the advantages I think of using a service, you know, like Borewell, um to help really compare, compare rates and see what's out there in a way that's very tailored to your credit profile.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I use your tools. And one of the things that I've noticed was when you, do have you guys have that tab where you can see the different providers for the different kinds of loans i like how you had the sort of likely you had a section called likelihood of approval or something along those lines and then you would say how high that is so i like how you have that convenient piece about tell people right off the bat okay you're probably going to get approved for this so we don't get as nervous before we apply because we know we're probably going to get approved and so we're not going to have to keep applying and applying to more and more lenders and then keep getting these hard checks
1: yeah, that, 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 that's exactly right. And that's why we think it's a, it's, it's a worthwhile service. So that's one of the ways we really try to help our, our members, um, the people who monitor their credit with us.
0: That's great. So I've been using, like I said, your tools for a while. And one of my favorite time-saving ones is how you guys automatically calculate our credit utilization score. Can you explain what that is for anybody not familiar and what credit utilization percentage should we be aiming for?
1: Sure. So, so credit utilization is is really kind of a, a measure of how much of the credit you have available to you you're using. So think of, think of um, a credit card with a thousand dollar credit limit. If you've got a hundred dollars spent on the card, you're using ten percent of your thousand dollar limit. So you have a ten percent utilization um, on that card. And so what we what what we calculate on our site for you automatically. Is we add up the limits on all your credit cards and all your lines of credit, and then we look at how much you're, you're actually you've actually used. That's all information that, that, that we get from your credit report, and we can calculate for you automatically um, uh, as part of our free service what your utilization is. I think typically um, keeping utilization below thirty percent is a good rule of thumb. Um, that means that if you've got you know um, a five thousand let, dollar let's make it easier, a ten thousand dollar limit on your credit card, you you should try to keep your monthly balance below $3,000. The the nice thing is if you have multiple credit cards or multiple lines, typically those those all get um, added together. And, uh, you know, you can, um, you know, in, in that way, you can actually better manage your utilization across, across those different, different products.
0: We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. With the huge drop in interest rates, banks have been cutting their rates on their high interest savings accounts, so it's good to make sure that you're getting the most interest on your savings account. I personally use EQ Bank as my primary bank, and their rate is still anywhere from twice as high to 40 times higher when compared to some of the other major banks here in Canada. At the time of this recording, EQ gives you 2% on your savings account, and there are no minimum balances, and it's free to bank with them. And at the time of this recording, when I researched the high interest savings accounts at the four big banks, in canada a common rate offered is actually only 0.05 percent so eq is actually 40 times higher in the interest rate that it gives you on your savings account and the next highest bank after eq had a rate of only 0.7 percent so eq was still more than twice as high as them with a rate of two percent so i'm super happy to keep endorsing eq as i've been using them for years they continue to have easily one of the highest interest rates in canada plus they're free and they have unlimited free interact e-transfers which I find super convenient for sending money at no charge. They're a big support of the show, so if you are going to sign up for free with them, please use the link buildwealthcanada.ca/eq. That's buildwealthcanada dot ca slash the letter e and the letter q it's a huge help and using that link specifically helps keep the show and almost everything else on the build wealth canada site free so i really thank you for doing that and as a thank you when you sign up with them for free through that link if you send me any confirmation that you get from them after opening an account to bonus at buildwealthcanada.ca, I'll send you my full free guide on the top ETFs that I personally invest in, along with an in-depth explanation of each one. So thank you for your support. And that link again is buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ. I also wanted to give a quick announcement that I've taken over the Canadian Financial Summit, and I have free tickets for you. So the conference is 100% online, so no travel required. It's specifically for Canadians. It's taking place in the fall, and I'm bringing on some of Canada's top personal finance experts to share their best practices to help you retire early, invest better, lower your fees, pay less on taxes, and help you learn the best practices when it comes to personal finance and investing so that you can hit your financial independence number years earlier collectively the past guests have been in hundreds of media articles from major news and financial publications in canada such as the globe and mail financial post global news ctv yahoo finance and many more so i'm giving away free tickets to the entire event so to get them when i release them just sign up anywhere for free over at my site at build wealth canada .ca and that way I have your email to send them to you when they're ready. And also as a bonus when you sign up, I'll also send you my PDF guide on the top personal finance and investing tools that I use here in Canada. So it's all free and all you have to do is sign up anywhere over at buildwealthcanada.ca so I know where to send you the tickets. I look forward to seeing you there. Does our credit score improve? the lower our credit utilization percentage is to zero, or do we really just need to ensure that we're under that specific number? So you mentioned 30%. Is it the scenario where okay, it's under 30%, so we're good. We don't have to really worry about it. Or should we always try to get that as low as possible because it's like a linear relationship or the lower it is, the better our credit score is going to be. Or, or is it like a cutoff essentially?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, the thing is how credit scores are calculated by the credit bureaus um, a, can change over time, and B, really is sort of uh, secrets. So th- th- that's information that they keep secret and they don't share with us or anyone else. So, you know, there is a bit of secret sauce that goes into a credit score, and, and it's hard to, you know, I can't say in a blanket way that, you know, the right number is zero or 7% or 15%. I, I think generally keeping it below 30% is, uh, is good. Uh, at some point, if you have zero, uh, that typically means you're not even using credit and that and that could actually be discounted uh, as a factor. So th- there, there, it is a bit of a black box. I think keeping credit utilization under thirty percent is a really good uh, is a really good rule of thumb. And then you know beyond that, there's other factors that matter a lot. For example, uh, how steadily you're how regularly you're paying bills. If you if you ever miss a payment on a credit card or a line of credit, for example, or your mortgage, all of that really starts to matter a lot. So. In addition, even how long you've had credit for. So how, how how old is your oldest card or loan? That's also taken into account when it comes to the calculation of a credit score. So utilization is just one um, it's just one piece of it.
0: Okay, so uh, with what you just said, so is it that the longer the better because now you've got a good credit history from that one provider? Would that be fair to say?
1: That's right. So, so the longer the credit history you can show you know, that's viewed as a positive sign by, uh, you know, the credit scoring bureaus and many lenders. So we'll often tell people, if you've got a credit card in your wallet, even if you're not using it anymore, if you've had that credit card for 5, 10, 15 years, you may just want to keep it. Because if that's the oldest loan or or, or type of credit on your credit file, then that's providing a a lot of, like a real anchor, if you will. It's showing lenders that you've been able to maintain. A positive relationship with a lender for a long period of time. So that that's one of those those things that we talk about, you know, extensively, of course, on our site. And if you want to see how long you've had a credit card or a loan open, we also show you that because that's part of the of what's in your credit report. So all of that information is available, you know, for for the folks who sign up with us.
0: Okay, yeah, that's a good tip because, as you know, credit cards have all these different promotions and all these different bonuses that you can get and so sometimes it can be tempting to just say okay this old credit card doesn't have some promotion anymore i'm going to get rid of it i'm now going to get this new one and then we're inclined to close that old credit card because we found a better one but you're saying well if you've had it it is good to have at least some ones that you've had for a long period of time because that can help with that algorithm that they use to calculate your credit score
1: yeah, that's exactly, gotcha. exactly right.
0: Okay, okay, that's great. And then when we receive our credit report, whether it's through you guys or, or through someone else, what specifically should we be looking for and analyzing while we're going through it?
1: I think the first thing to do is you want to check that no information on there seems wrong. So for example, if you closed um, an account, if you had a credit card with your bank and you and you had canceled that card or closed, that card, you know, a few years ago, you want to make sure that that actually shows as closed, or in fact, is off your report entirely. It, it you know, mistakes happen. It's a complicated system, and sometimes a, a card that you, an account you thought was closed, wasn't closed properly or wasn't reported as closed. And even worse than that is if um, maybe you, you know you owed, you didn't realize it, but you actually still owe five or ten dollars, or a hundred dollars, or whatever the amount is on that card. And the bank has been reporting it as delinquent for all these years. That could be causing severe damage to your credit, your credit score, all because of a misunderstanding or because of faulty data. So I think the number one thing to do when you get your credit report from us, or or, or however you get it, is make sure that the information is correct and accurate. Because if it's not, you really do then want to talk to the credit bureaus and you know and or talk to your to your bank or financial institution and. You know, correct the error. So, correcting errors is a is a really important step. I mean, I think beyond that, you want to make sure that that everything is paid and up to date. You know, if you if you're missing payments on credit cards or loans, that really creates uh, a negative impact on your score. So, you want to make sure that everything's paid and up to date uh, to the extent that you're able to do that given your financial situation. So, I think those are those are the the two most important things to start with i'd say i you know there's there, there's more that we could go into if you'd like but i would certainly start with accuracy and and ensuring that you're paid and up to date
0: yeah i can see i mean we hear all these issues about identity theft a lot as well and so if somebody is trying to do that and trying to take on debt basically on your behalf pretending that they're you if you're doing that kind of audit like what you just said then you'll be able to catch that and i just notice things that you, you know you didn't actually do or create, right? And so I imagine that would be a good thing to look for as well, right?
1: Yeah, that, that's a great point. You know, we certainly have had people discover that they've been the victims of identity theft by checking their credit report with us. They say, I never, I didn't get a new credit card two months ago. I mean, I have no idea who, who opened that. And then from there, they're able to, to then take corrective action and fix the problem. So we, we certainly do live in an era of identity theft. Um, the other thing you can see in your credit report is any applications for credit that you've made? So if you, it, it, you know, if you apply for a new credit card, for example, that will show on your credit report. So that's another great way to, to see if if someone's doing something fraudulent with with your identity. Is you can sort of say, is there anything? Is there any credit inquiry, credit application I'm not aware of?
0: Yeah, that's a great one. And I like your point too about checking to make sure that you don't have some small balance owing from maybe, because I can, you know, people, sometimes they get those credit cards at, let's say a store, because then you don't have to pay interest for a year, you know, something like that. And I can definitely see there being situations where you get that because, you know, you don't want to pay for your couch for a year or something like that. And then you think you closed it, but maybe you did it, maybe they charge you some extra fees that you don't know about. And then let's say you moved or something like that, and you're not getting that mail anymore, them telling you that, you know, that you actually do it with some money. And then before you know it, it's, it's basically destroying your credit score, right? And it could be over such a small amount, but it's just because you, you totally forgot about it or you weren't aware that they charged you something extra. So yeah, I can see that being really, really valuable, especially with those store credit cards.
1: Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And, you know, we've also had cases of people where there, there've been you know they've had some sort of dispute with a credit card company and maybe there's a small amount owing, you know, a credit card company may not, May not bother following up with you if there's ten or twenty dollars owing on a card, but if they're reporting that as delinquent to the credit to the credit bureaus every month, that could be causing huge damage to your to your credit score. Definitely worth, in that case, trying to settle the matter and and, uh, and and get that sort of negative hit off your your credit bureau.
0: For sure, yeah, because I, I can see typically people would remember big purchases and and all of that if they have a lot of money owing on a particular card, let's say. But I find you know sometimes you might get charged those little fees, right? Um, You know, stores charge them or like processing fees, administration fees, whatever the case may be, these small little amounts. And you thought your whole account was clear, but then they charge you something and you totally had no idea they were going to do that. And now it's basically hurting you. So no, I think that's a really good uh, best practice to at least check annually to make sure there's nothing like that. Now, um, at what point is our credit score in that top tier where we are already getting the best possible rate so that it's not really worth trying to improve it anymore? Is there a certain sort of sweet spot where, okay, once I've hit this number, I know I'm getting the best rates. I know my approval is as high as it can possibly get. So I don't really need to worry about this. Or, well, you still manage your credit score, obviously, but you, you don't have to keep trying to improve it anymore?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it. if you want a rule of thumb, um, I would say if your credit score is above 800, it's, complicated here is there are different kinds of credit scores there's not just one there's different kinds which i know can be confusing for consumers the, the one we get, we show everybody is a very very common credit score called the equifax risk score version two um and on that score uh where 900 is the highest possible um you know if you have a score over 800 you are uh you're in great shape i i, I don't think there's much improvement possible from there
0: Okay, sounds good. Yeah, because I know there's all these tactics people can use to, like, like for example, you know, have a credit utilization rate lowered, you all know, these different things you can do to try to get that credit score a little bit higher. But I mean, obviously, it takes some time and effort, right? And so I just wanted to, to know, okay, when is it that you're like, okay, I'm happy, I checked that box, the credit score is as good as it should be. And I don't need to stress about this as much anymore, other than just maintaining it and checking it periodically to make sure there's nothing... Wrong on the credit on the credit report. Okay, no, that sounds uh, that sounds great. And how important is it to close down accounts that we still have open but that we don't use anymore?
1: Well, it's, a, it's you know it's not a simple uh, question, or the answer is not simple because you know one of the things that's important in a credit report and, and goes into calculating your score is how long you've had active credit out there. So how long you've had a credit card, for example, or how long you've had a mortgage. And so, if you've got a credit card that you got many years ago that you're not using that much anymore, ironically, closing it may may hurt your credit score because you're getting rid of the oldest account, something that shows you've got a lot of credit history and you've been able to manage credit successfully for a long period of time. But if it's not, you know, if it's not in that sort of instance where um, it's it's a really sort of like um, an account with a lot of history. Uh, then there's there could be a lot of reasons to close it and and I think if there's any temptation to sort of use the if you worry there could be temptation to use the credit uh, and you you know want to sort of just take that that risk away, then you do that. So it's not a totally simple simple answer um, but but uh, you know in general, I think safe to close unless it's something you've had for a long, long time.
0: Okay. So the primary reason to close it would be just that temptation of having that extra credit available and then maybe you're using it to buy something you don't actually need. It's not a prudent financial decision. Is that kind of the main argument towards closing it?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, there's always a balance with these things. Um, you know, some creditors will look at at uh someone in if you've got, you know, I don't know, 10 or 20 credit cards already, maybe wary about giving another one. Um, but I I think in general um you know, if you're not in that sort of situation, uh, then, then I think the best argument for closing it is just to sort of, you know, reduce complexity in your life and, and perhaps, re, re, you know, reduce the temptation of using credit.
0: That makes sense. And I can see if, let's say you got one from, you know, like one of the stores where they offer it, you, you can buy something interest-free for a year, for example, if you sign up with their store credit card. And then so you'll maybe only have that open for a year. I can see it making sense to close that, just like you said, just to have that extra level of simplicity. Uh, and then also too, I guess then you don't have to really track it and worry that somebody gained unauthorized access to your credit card. Maybe you know your credit num- uh, credit card number got stolen or something like that. And now they're using a card that you thought, you, know, you, don't, you don't use it anymore. And so you don't really monitor it, but someone was able to get a hold of it and actually use it to make purchases. And then maybe now that has a negative impact on your credit score because they're becoming delinquent, uh, delinquent I guess. Could that happen? Yeah,
1: exactly right. I think think you put it well. Okay, okay,
0: great. And if there is an error or discrepancy on our credit report, what's the best recourse that we have as Canadians? So for instance, do we contact Equifax directly? Do we contact the company that put that blemish on our credit report and ask them to fix it? What's the best way to deal with this?
1: So I think those are both good steps. Um, And I think it depends a little bit on, on the nature of the error. Uh, on, our, on our website, uh, when you sign up with Borowell we give contact information for Equifax. So if there is an error on your Equifax credit report, you absolutely can contact them. I think that's a good first step. Um, they may tell you then to contact your, your, the, you know, the, the bank or company that issued the credit um, product to you to try to square, square up with them. Uh, so it'll be some combination of the credit bureaus and, and the bank or other financial institutions.
0: Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Because yeah, ultimately, you want both parties, both the one that kind of created that issue, that you have created that issue with, and Equifax, you want both of them to know of the situation and if you're resolving it. Uh, that, yeah, that makes total sense. Now, if somebody has no loans and doesn't use credit cards, is that actually bad if they ever do need a loan since lenders want to see that credit history? So I'm thinking of something like a, like a homemaker where maybe their spouse does all the purchasing and all the debts are under the working spouse's name.
1: Yeah, so certainly it's important to have a credit history if you if you think you might need to apply for credit in the future. Showing that you can use credit responsibly absolutely goes into things like a credit score and an ability to access credit. So if if, you know, if your spouse has all the all the credit products in his or her name only and they're not joint accounts, you you may, you know, have what's called a thin file or, you know, which means essentially that you have, there, there's very little information that a credit bureau would have about you, and and that definitely can be challenging if you want to um, access credit in the future. I mean, it's the same way that often um, uh, it can be a good idea once you start down the path of learning to use credit responsibly. For someone who's a, a you know a, a student in in college or university or, or what have you, to get a, their first credit card, learn to sort of use it responsibly. Building that credit history in their own name, rather than using a parent's credit card, for example. So, um, you know, there's obviously a balance. If someone's not ready to use credit, not able to use, it, not you know, going to use it responsibly, then absolutely they, they should not. I would not recommend that they get get credit products. But if, if you know if someone's learning those financial skills and wants to start developing a history of making payments on time, regardless of their age and stage, then they should do that. Uh, it, and by the way, this also is relevant to folks who are new to Canada because typically credit histories from other countries don't, don't carry over here.
0: Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So you're saying basically you would be better off having, let's say a credit card and paying it off regularly, just paying off the full balance every month that you would be viewed more favorably, doing that than just having zero debt, because with zero debt, they're they're happy that you don't owe anyone anything, but they don't really know how you will perform once you do have debt. Whereas if you have that credit history, then it's a bit less of a risk for them because they actually see how you've handled it in the past. Would that be fair to say?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. I I think there's also more of a risk um, when you have no credit history um, uh, from a perspective of, you know, uh, as you put it, can this person handle um, handle credit and use it responsibly. Uh, so I, I I I think you put it very well.
0: Right. Oh, that, that makes sense. Yeah. It's, you get like a line of credit, let's say, on a house. You know, for let's say seventy thousand dollars. If someone's never had that before and all of a sudden they have 70 grand ready to go to use however they want, I could see you know a bank being a bit more nervous about that if they've never seen a person handle that kind of debt before, uh, even if they haven't gotten into trouble in the past. So yeah, that makes, that makes total sense. Um, yeah, so I'm a big fan of online tools that help me optimize and manage my finances. And you guys just launched one that I'm pretty excited to try out. Can you talk about BorrowWell Boost and what it does?
1: So we spent a lot of time over the last year talking to our members, the people that use Borowell, and asking them what are other challenges that they face in their in their financial lives. And what we heard about again and again was the challenge of tracking bills. And we all have many bills in our lives, whether it's for you know a mortgage or auto loan or phone bills or what have you, and then managing cash flow along with that. So maybe you get paid on a Friday, but your phone bills due on a Thursday, your rents due on a Monday. How do you sort of manage all of that? to make sure that you don't run out of money in your account. Um, about 50% of households in North America um, you know, essentially don't have a lot of um, spare cash on hand. So it, it becomes very important to be able to manage that cash flow and that bills are not missed. Because if you start missing bill payments, it's going to hurt your credit score and make it harder for you to access credit. So we created Borwell Boost really to address that problem what what Borwell boost does is you you grant us permission to connect your bank account and then Borwell boost learns the the, the program learns our system learns when you get paid and when bills are due and then it can predict into the future what your cash situation is going to be so you know it learns that you get paid every second Friday for example and your rent comes out on the first Monday or the first day of the calendar month for example and then we can then identify when uh, you're going to potentially be short on funds and, and then flag that. And I think that sort of giving that informational piece is, is number one. Um, and then the second part of it is there's also a $75 interest-free loan. We really want to help people avoid much higher cost lenders. And so we, there's a $75 interest-free component to it that you can use really on demand um, if, you're, if you're a, a member of, of Boost and you qualify. To be able to sort of bridge between uh, between uh, be, until your next paycheck, so you can again try to make those bill payments and avoid missing missing bill payments.
0: Gotcha. So is that pretty much used, let's say, to avoid different overdraft fees or those you know those NSF Mf- fees, non sufficient fund fees that we see where okay, you think you had enough money, but then you forgot that your phone bill is going to get deducted on the Tuesday, let's say, and you did not have enough of a cash cushion in there, and so. The phone company tries to take that bill, but now you're in the negatives at your bank. And so then you get charged these overdraft fees for doing that. So is that what that $75 would be for to automatically cushion against something like that?
1: Yeah, that's right. So it's there to help um, people avoid overdraft fees or else higher cost lenders, for example. So we're really trying to help people manage their their money more effectively.
0: Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay, that sounds great. And can you link credit cards to it as well? Or is it just checking accounts that you'd be linking to it?
1: So, so yeah, we we're working hard to add credit cards in the future. For today, it's it's um, it's bank accounts, so savings accounts or or, or um, checking accounts, um, and that's that's where we've started because I think that's typically where most people get their uh, their their paychecks and so forth uh, deposited.
0: Right, paychecks or then utility payments, things like that, and they would typically right, they exactly. come off directly off the checking account. So, is the whole premise behind it is that it's basically like an all-in-one you, you, instead of. Because you have some of these services out there and they'll give you notifications, but some do it, some don't. And then some are obviously more reliable than others. Some are completely unreliable. And so with what you guys are doing, is it that you have everything in one and so then you just know whenever anything is due as opposed to just hoping that these different notification services from these different providers actually work correctly?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, We've tried to make it simple and easy and put it all together in one place. Uh, so that you can you can track your bills um, in a in a really simple uh, simple way.
0: Okay, that that's great. Well, well, thanks for coming on and thanks for sharing that with us. I'll definitely be linking to it in the show notes as well. And uh, and that's great. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Andrew.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. Really, uh, really pleased to to talk about uh, to talk about all this and, and share the news about Boost and other things we're doing. Thank you.
0: Okay, great. All right, take care. Bye. All right, thanks for tuning into the show. Remember that you can check your credit score for free by going to Build Wealth Canada. .ca/score. Also, make sure you're on the podcast mailing list so that I can send you free tickets to the Canadian Financial Summit coming this fall. It's a fully online event you can watch all the presentations and interviews for free from many of the top personal finance and investing experts in Canada. You'll learn an absolute ton about the best practices when it comes to optimizing your money and your investments, and it's all free. So, to get the free tickets, just make sure you sign up anywhere over at buildwealthcanada.ca and I'll be sure to email you the tickets when they are released and when you do that as a bonus i'll also send you my pdf guide on the top tools that i use for my finances and investments Here in Canada. Last but not least, definitely a big thank you to EQ Bank for sponsoring the show. It's the bank that my wife and I use. It's easily my favorite bank, as not only is it free, but it also has one of, if not the highest interest rate that you can get on a savings account in Canada. Currently, it's at 2%, while other banks are giving you less than half that. And it's not some temporary promotional rate either. I've been with them for years and found that they consistently adjust the rate to constantly have one of the highest rates in Canada. So if you are going to check them out or sign up for free, please go through my link as it really helps support the show and that link is buildwealthcanada.ca slash eq that's buildwealthcanada.ca dot ca slash the letter e and the letter q and as an added bonus if you sign up through that link and send me any confirmation email they send you i'll email you my guide on the top etfs in canada and this guy literally goes over all the investments that i personally own in my portfolio along with why i chose them from the thousands of options out there so to get that just sign up at eq bank for free by using the link Build Wealth Canada ca slash eq and must be that specific link to get the bonus and then just email me any confirmation email that you get from them to bonus at buildwealthcanada.ca and i'll email you the guide all right that's it thanks for tuning in i really appreciate any support that you provide and i wish you a safe and happy month take care
1: thanks for listening to the
0: build wealth canada podcast at www.buildwealthcanada.ca